Hello and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie releases, and movie trends. What releases? What what movie project? What movies? I mean, I mean, you and I were just talking about Talk to Me, the 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 pretty um entertaining horror. I don't know, like probably the last last A twenty four movie for a while. Yeah, I don't really know how to talk about it with people because, like, uh, I went to like a an early screening like a month ago, and when I walked out, you know, there's always the little like rep people that are like, yeah. "So, what did you what did you think?" And I legit did not know like how to answer them because I was like, "That's that I like I think that's a good horror movie, but I'm also really freaked out, so I can't really say I had like a pleasant experience <laughs> sitting there watching that." I was just you like, "You and I approach that shit very differently." <laughs> I was just like, yeah, um, that was good. I'm going to be a little freaked out walking to the uh, indoor parking deck now after I rebate my ticket. But Why did you have a a hand in your bag? No, it was just, you know, weird noises. You you From haven't experienced the Atlantic Station. All I need I to have. do... Yes, I have. <laughs> I've been there multiple times. I saw the conjuring at the RPX there. <laughs> Okay, so you know how that parking lot is just like a black hole of yeah, because it is like underground, like underneath everything. Yeah, yeah. They did a whole Atlanta episode about how like you can never find your car in there, and it's just sort of like this weird Twilight Zone space. Yeah. It, so I we had I had that experience also this past not this past weekend but the weekend before I was in DC. And me and my mm. friend did Barbenheimer up there, but we went to Tyson Center because they had a Dolby for Barbie, and they were doing uh, uh, Oppenheimer at 70 mil. Not IMAX, but just 70 mil. And yeah, it was another one of those just, like, I, I still don't know how we got back to the car, genuinely. It was kind of one of those, like, um, uh, dissociative moments where I'm like, I remember leaving the theater, and I right. remember getting in the car, but I don't remember anything. Right, you're like, I don't know, am I in C or am I am I in the D deck? Like, oh, this what? one, this one at Tyson's Corner, they don't even have rows. They don't have things you can like take photos of and be like, you know, like the airport where it's like, yeah, I'm in C five. It's like, mm-hmm. no, it's like, no, you just park and just hope that you can find it later. Like, it's some real forty days and forty nights shit. Well, Hunter, uh, this week, it's it's a bit of a grab bag episode, but a grab bag episode that I want to sort of like encompass a lot of the movie news of the last few months. Um, you know, we're still in the midst of two industry strikes going. And, you know, I, I think I don't want to necessarily be here to give like the hard reporting. I would like recommend people check out you know, folks like Matt Bellany at Puck, I think, has been doing some some. Yeah, great I gave up. I gave up that. Uh, I gave up that endeavor after college. Oh, the like keeping up with like the hard hard. I I keep up with the hard news in my like day to day. No, stuff. I keep this up. Is, I keep up with fun. it. I just yeah. don't do it. I don't like it. I want. But I want to be. A, I want to be subjective. But I kind of wanted to build us into a conversation about like how you feel, how I feel about the way things are going right now, and this moment where I really feel like we're on a tipping point. I don't know whether it's a good tipping point or a bad tipping point, but for the last couple weeks, I've been sort of building up a theory that I wanted to sort of 
throw on you and, and and give as as a jumping off point for this week's episode, which is yeah, it definitely feels like a like a summer like family movie where like a road trip movie where they're like on a cliff and the mm-hmm. like car is tipping back and forth and it's like is it gonna tip towards safety or are we about to go off the cliff? All I know is that something's about to happen. Yeah, I mean like I guess the basic recap of what's been going on is the writers union first went on strike earlier in the summer. Um a lot of the issues sort of from the writer's point of view has to deal with like you know residuals and just being compensated for your work and having better benefits as well as better creative freedom and from the studio's standpoint they are sort of aggressively trying to find ways coming out of the sort of this rough last couple of years because of the pandemic and the sort of industry being in this sort of bad financial state of trying to cut costs no matter what and now we've got this headbutt going on the actors have now joined in strike and there are a lot of issues on the table regarding residuals regarding the way streaming has affected the industry regarding the influence ai might have on the industry and it all feels baked into like this being the endpoint of this moment we've sort of been charging towards in the last few years with ip with all the streaming stuff with just the feeling about like it, there, there's no such thing as like shows or movies anymore it's just all content and and studios and these media companies just having the sole concern of i just want to fill content on a library i don't care what it is and i don't care what the quality is and i just need to fill space and i've been thinking a lot lately about how you know i feel like we were almost in a similar situation kind of in the 1960s when you sort of had the studio system sort of built on all this like old Hollywood spectacle starting to kind of fall apart and what comes after it is the new Hollywood and I wonder if we're maybe in a place where the sort of corporate studio dominated system that we've been living in for the last decade our sort of IP age is that is is that going to all kind of crumble? And is this sort of like officially the industry kind of bucking back against like, no, we don't really like the way that this is going. And is it going to lead to like total cataclysmic, like everything is just content and it's all AI generated and like there's no creativity and no, you know, phys- physical like person making the thing you are watching? Or are we maybe heading towards a moment kind of like what happened in the 60s where sort of the 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 big kind of golden studio system needs to crumble again but maybe we have something exciting coming in after i don't know i just threw a lot at you but but it's kind of the thing i've been thinking about for the last week or so yeah and it's and it's tough because i mean here's the thing the strike not tough Mm-mm. personally speaking i i mean i don't think that like anything they're asking for is like difficult no i want to I wanna be clear this is a pro pro union yeah, podcast right it's here. <laughs> more so like the again like you said how it's going to go how firm the opposition aka studios are going to be standing in this and how far they're willing to take it to not have to admit defeat um and on one hand you would think like yeah 
you know, Writers Guild, they can put a lot of pressure on it, but it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, well, the people who are consuming this content on Netflix or whatever, who are, you know, watching the 16th after movie and, like, the 8th season of, I don't know, I don't even know those shows anymore. Some shows where teens are too hot and having sex way too early. <laughs> shows that I also kind of loved when I was younger, but at least Skins was good. Um, but it, there's this idea, I think, that the average consumer these days doesn't care about that. But mm -hmm. when you start including the actors in it, you kind of would have thought, like, oh, it's our on-screen talent now. Now we're losing that because they were already pushing the AI shit with writing. But now, right. ever since this like SAG SAG AFTRA has gone on strike, they have really pushed of like, actually we can have AI actors too. And it right. it's kind of this thing where I thought that maybe once SAG went on strike, that would have been the big thing that really put it in play of like, oh, we're losing this battle. Mm -hmm. What I'm finding is that they're like this is an excuse for us to haul ass into this dystopian future that we're going into. So mm -hmm. it, it is one of those things where I was sort of like, it's not what I expected. I thought this would be the thing that really pumps the brakes and actually shows like, oh, they're not f***ing around. And it turns out it's like, oh, y'all want to go crazy? We can be f***ing crazier. Like, yeah. What, what's what's my, sort of been like the most... Yacht, yeah, what's what's sort of been the most shocking thing that you think has kind of like come come out of this? I mean, there was that one like deadline. That fucking Bob Iger interview. Oh yeah, that Bob Iger interview was something fucking else. Where he's like, they're being unreasonable, and it's like, sir, sir, Bob, Robert, Roberta. You do know we can Google your net worth at literally any time. You know that your yacht is public like domain we can see mm -hmm. it like we know where you live sir uh it, it's not just here's the thing this is happening this is not specific just to the entertainment industry though and i no. you know we just saw it with ups they struck a deal they find like they had the teamster strike a deal uh but you're seeing it everywhere you're seeing starbucks going through it. you're seeing um uh, Amazon going through it like crazy at certain uh, like distribution locations. This is not just one thing happening within the entertainment industry, and I think a lot of people would like you to think that it is. Uh, and I think a lot of people specifically would really like you to think that it is nothing but millionaires complaining about it. That it's just no. That's that's something like, I've had Angelina to kind of like explain to people. Is like it's not. Lee wants twenty million instead of ten million. It's like no, that's not how this works. That's not right. It's it's. I've had to explain to people like try and not think of it as like the most famous celebrities. You like even just the actor stuff. Like think of it as your normal kind of like day to day like and it's work not a day Aaron actor. Sorkin at the WGA doing it or right. like it's not it's not Shonda Rhimes yeah. you know basically like one of the things that's kind of come out with the writer stuff is like you can't earn a living if you're a writer anymore like unless you're Shonda Rhimes or Ryan Murphy or something like that and you're like a huge show celebrity showrunner like that like and you we're also learning that some of these people not Shonda Rhimes but maybe someone else you just mentioned um, are actually more a part of the opposition than they are a part of the fight. Mm. 
But yeah, like, you know, Ryan you Murphy, can't... I'm just going to say it. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, if you're just like a writer on Young Sheldon, and you're just like cranking out scripts every other week or something like that, like, you can't support your family, basically. Um, and if you're an actor who just, you know, if you like are on a TV show and, you know, you're not like, maybe it's not the biggest thing on air or, you know, you're not winning Oscars or Emmys and stuff like you can't, you can't support your family. You're pumping the pavement. You're 99.9% of actors who are just out there on a background role in an Apple TV show that has a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, like the, Again, like, these are not the biggest names. Yes, the biggest names at the center of it are working to make it a known thing. Mm-hmm. But I think much like a lot of kind of the way that America specifically reacts to unions, but more specifically, like, union-based disruptions, it's more about convenience than anything else. And the second that anyone who is a avid just voracious content consumer sees so-and-so season three delayed due to strikes so-and-so movie delayed due to strikes etc etc it immediately goes towards like well they should just get over it they should be doing this because i deserve to be like getting all of this stuff yeah i've I've found that stuff like kind of gross the way that people and even you know we're about to enter into the fall award season with movies and stuff and there's already like sony basically like pulled all of their stuff for the rest of sony mgm pushed challengers which like trust you will be dealt with for that (laughs) amazon jeff bezos and there's uh, this kind of like, what are the other studios going to do? And I guess it depends on how, you know, project the project and what, you know, how long all of this sort of lasts. But, you know, Warner Brothers I, has I, a gun to Dune's head right now. <laughs> like that I Mad Magazine cover, just like, <laughs> keep this up, we'll f- do it. And it's like, do it, bitch. You know, like, yeah. obviously, I don't want to see it move out in November, but also, if waiting six months for dune means that they strike a good deal bitch i'll wait forever for it yeah i think i've sort of been trying to challenge people to i think think a little outside of that box of just sort of like oh i'm not getting content um and and i admit to that like i'm I'm going to yeah and i mean like i am someone who has fallen guilty to that like i'm going to tiff this year and was a bit su- right that was TV, the bit of the TV thing in your hotel room <laughs> I, there actually is some stuff coming that i, I actually you know like i'm excited for the miyazaki movie and i'm excited to see zone of interest which will be there and yeah. um you know but but i i had to check myself a bit of like had a bit of the like well 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 damn it now i'm not i spent this money to go to tiff and now i'm not gonna Girl, have the tiff experience down. i will i <laughs> i want um because stuff is just going to be pulled from there or like big titles are not going to show up there um i think it's interesting evidently kind of like what that this is about to go on such a tangent but i thought it was a side note kind of looking at the fall festivals like two very different strategies like i don't know what telluride's doing because they don't announce their stuff until like the weekend of but tiff and um ben is taking very different strategies to like okay we can't we don't have actors that are going to be on the red carpet 
what do what we do now? What about Woody Allen and Roman <laughs> right. Polanski? Venice was basically like, let's just um get all the big directors to be there, and so that means both like the good the good stuff like oh Sophia Coppola is going to be there and David Fincher and Ava DuVernay and Michael Mann, but then like we all but then that also includes like. You know what? It can't hurt to get a little controversy. Uh, Roman Polanski, you yeah. have your new movie. You Woody can't Allen, be a uh, scab Luke, if you're not allowed Luke in the Basson, United States. Luke Basson, where are you? You come to, um, and Tiff basically taking the strategy of like, okay, we can't have actors come promote their their stuff, but what if we just program a bunch of movies that are directed by really famous people like Ethan Hawke and Chris Pine and Michael Keaton. And um, uh, I can't remember, but but it was like there's so many projects at TIFF this year of that are like actors jumping into the directing chair because then they can get people to come promote and like be in attendance at TIFF and do the like roundtables and stuff. Because but, an important part we missed as well is that the D- Directors Guild struck a kind of shitty deal to like yes. avoid a strike, and now they're the redheaded stepchild of like. Oh, y'all are the ones who aren't fighting for this. Cool. Although I heard an interesting kind of inside um, analysis of that decision, which is that's apparently a strategy the studios have a lot of, you know, when the writers go on strike is to then say, all right, we're not going to really like fight as hard with the DGA people. We're going to kind of cave to the DGA people a little bit and that will p- make the writers look extra bad. And then yeah. it sort of backfired in the studio spaces of then the actors, actor yeah. union contracts came around and the actors were like, no, we're not agreeing to a lot of this. And um, it's been obviously frustrating that like the studios don't even want to come to the table. It yeah. seems like, and it's not even necessarily just about AI or like residuals and shit. It is. Don't worry. It absolutely is. I saw a, f- a tweet yesterday about the, um, Robert Carradine, he was the he's David Carradine's son, but he was the yeah. father on Lizzie McGuire. Mm-hmm. And he got a check one time from Disney for zero dollars and zero cents. They printed that check, put it up, paid postage to send to him for zero dollars. So that's that. But also, on top of that, if you actually look at the negotiations, specifically with SAG AFTRA, that they had with, like, what they brought to the table and what the studios responded with. More specifically, the AM, the AMPTP, the American Motion Picture and Television Producers or Association. Um, like, it was basic things also of late payment. We mm-hmm. would like to be paid on time when you say you're going to pay us. And literally, it was like, request denied. They recognize that they do pay us late, but make no, like, promises right. <laughs> in fixing that. Or it's like, um, like water breaks, meal breaks, mm-hmm. denied. And it's just like, it's just those things of like, then what the f*** do you want them to do? It's, yeah. I genuinely, it, at a point, it almost really does feel like that it's almost being pushed by the studio so they can usher in a much more cost-heavy, like, content-focused era. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's totally what's what's happening. And to me, like... I may I probably sounded a little galaxy brain at the beginning of the show, but like it really to me is in a lineage of like where we've been going the last few years with just the the IPification of everything, as well yeah. as the way streaming has sort of exploded. Like 
you know, why, why, why has IP stuff been so dominant at the movies? Well, because studios figured out that they can make more money faster with less risk by just sort of like playing. We can make, you know, a haunted mansion movie. We can make a flash movie. Now I want to put a pin in, I want to put a pin in that because this summer seems like an interesting sort of rebuke to like a lot of those projects not working, but you know, for most of the last decade, if it's a recognizable piece of IP property, makes money, and studios can't studios don't care how much they spend on it because they'll get that money back. Even good IPs aren't even making money anymore. Right. Mission Impossible. That okay. It's not the IP of Mission Impossible. It was the hubris of putting it in between all right. of these other huge movies. Obviously, Barbie was going to make money, but like whatever, you know, all that shit. But like, even like a movie as good as Mission Impossible. Because of that, when it's one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the mm-hmm. other. I mean, fucking, we got what? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles this week. Meg 2, um, which is directed by Ben Wheatley, which I just can't get over. Um, I completely forgot until I, I asked a fellow critic here in Atlanta, like, are we getting a Meg 2 screening? And he said, no. Yeah. <laughs> and then I looked up who was... Ben then I looked Wheatley. up Ben Wheatley. I was like, what in the world? Like, what an odd choice that, like, I did not... I don't see Ben Wheatley in any of those trailers, so... No! Um, he was also supposed to direct the second Tomb Raider movie, but then it, he lost it, and it went to Misha Green, and then it lost it because they lost the rights to... MGM lost the rights to it in the Amazon channel. Or was that thing? I don't yeah. know. But but anyway, so like, you know... Dead. I, I, I set up like, we got to this point with IP, and then everyone doubled down on streaming, and then it seems like last year we had this big come to jesus moment where everyone realized oh shoot streaming doesn't make money and we've been overvaluing this and companies like disney are kind of like in the red because they spent so much money on all of these like marvel shows that cost an insane amount of money for people like sign up for disney plus but you're never going to have enough subscribers to be able to like make to, to make up for that kind of spending And then you add the pandemic onto that. And now studios are just sort of like, shoot, we just need, what is something just sort of like cheap and cost effective that we can just put out and people can just sort of like consume. What is the, what is the like most easiest low effort way that we can make money. And now we've reached the point where, you know, that's getting in the way of like the workforce and getting in the way of creativity and people saying, I, I don't know. I just feel like this, I think is going to be the final tipping point of it's, it's all going to crash down. And I think this summer has been an interesting example with kind of what I hinted at, like a lot of big bombs this summer. Like, okay, I guess guardians of the galaxy did fine. Little mermaid, yeah did uh, uh, j- just for disney little mermaid did well domestically but really bad internationally and just barely turned a profit from what even, i understand yeah, yeah and then the flash huge bomb the pixar movie sounds like a bomb no um, Indi- no 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 it bombed at first elemental has made more money than spider-verse hmm. it has like had legs it's made like quite a bit of money at this point it, that's one where it's like that's one uh where people at first were like, wow, huge bomb for Pixar. It's at, like, 400 million now. Oh, well, okay. 
Yeah, it's been like a slow burn over like the weeks. Then so maybe that's, that's a good a good case of like maybe we as a culture need to get over the whole like it's all See, about the opening weekend. Opening thing. weekend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but also like some of these movies have big opening weekends and then die in the second week. I mean, that's what happened with the Ant-Man movie earlier this year. Um, I mean, the you know, I mentioned I didn't see the that any weekend. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned the Flash movie was kind of a big bomb. The Indiana Jones kind of? movie. I mean, <laughs> I'm being I'm being huge somewhat bomb. nice. And Indiana Jones, huge bomb. Huge I, bomb. Even for um, it actually like not being horrible, that's not the point. It lost so much money. Yeah, and and then you know you mentioned the Mission Impossible movie, which it sounds like we'll we'll probably kind of like the Little Mermaid example. We'll probably break even like that series is much bigger internationally than it is yeah. here in the the states but you and know like, took, took a pretty big drop after you know they're wrapping it up anyway so it's just kind of yeah. like let them finish this and like it'll be fine i don't know if the i will be playing ethan hunt into my 80s thing is gonna really keep going but you know. no it i wonder if this probably means they'll you know they were Pump maybe breaks. going into this a little bit bullish of like all right, I guess Cruz can keep doing this as long as he wants, and maybe now they're like, the next one's it. But I mean, honestly, I was bullish about it. I was like, this movie's going to be huge. Yeah. And it's like, oh, never mind. Yeah. And then I was but like, then we, oh, we wait, had this huge sense. weekend, you know, two big weekends for Barbie and Oppenheimer, which, I mean, on paper it's, you could say, yes, that's a biopic, and yes, Barbie is, is IP, but, you know, I thought it was interesting... Francis Ford Coppola got quoted somewhere saying like he feels like the success of those two movies which are auteur driven in their own way I mean yeah, absolutely. I mean Oppenheimer definitely so but Barbie even if you take it as like IP is and whatever you think of that movie very much so a Greta Gerwig movie right. for better or for worse and does that then become like the example of oh okay maybe we now got to shift into another period of we, the studios don't know what works. And if an Indiana Jones movie and a flash movie, no one's going to go see at the theaters, but then, you know, we can entrust Greta Gerwig and Christopher Nolan to kind of do whatever they want. And people will go see those movies. I don't know. Do you, do you think that's kind of like a sensible direction we're going with, or that's a, bit of like Since, a bit premature to I, kind of use that example i mean i would say that like maybe not spending 300 million dollars to take a proverbial dump on like a desk yeah and being like hey let's go look at that you know yeah like i would say that not doing that is sensible uh-huh however you go about not shitting your pants is fine a diaper, medication, you know, whatever. As long as you're not doing it, who cares? Uh, so if that means that it comes about in things like Oppenheimer and uh, Barbie, where, sure, Barbie might be IP, but, like, let's take the slightest bit of care about this. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe if we can do that, then maybe, just maybe, we can salvage this. But also, in the same token, I guess you could also say that maybe Ben Wheatley directing Meg 2 
might be the bad side of that. Of like, let's get a singular director and give him this. Or uh, right. Let's or give if you Neil, are gonna do Neil that, Blomkamp. let let him make it a a a a, a Ben Wheatley movie. Yeah. Or like, let's give Neil Blomkamp Gran Turismo. I keep forgetting he's directing. I I don't know that I can get on board with that just because I uh have never oh, really felt Neil Blomkamp like lived up to the potential we all we all thought he was gonna be like the next James Cameron after District Nine and then like that has kind of proven itself. It was not like Elysium was like oh Elysium was a bit of a misstep but it wasn't terrible it should be it should be fine. I disagree. Have you rewatched Elysium recently? I haven't. I, seen I saw it. some clips of it I on TV, and I was like, "This movie is so much worse than like." I, I haven't remember. seen it in ten years, but I remember Chappie. Yes, that like, that was really the one where it was like, yeah. "Oh, okay." Well, obviously, we haven't seen him direct a studio movie since until now, so it's kind of like. Did you ever see the Possession movie that he did last uh, year? Demonic. No, I didn't. Yes. Uh, because I was like, oh, Neil Blomkamp doing like an IFC Midnight Possession movie. I can maybe get down like with that, maybe see what it's up to. And then those first reviews dropped and I saw I was at like an 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I was like, okay, Generous. I mean, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm, you can give my money back. I can't do nothing with that. Like, <laughs> Having seen it. G- generous. Eight percent yeah. is generous. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm good. I think I'm fine. I have like other shit I have to watch. No, I got an email from from my editor Douglas the other day. He's like, Do you have any interest in Gran Turismo? I know you're a video game person, and I said, No, hard pass. I was like, I, No, thank you. I got the press invitation for it in in my inbox, and have been kind of like stewing over like, I guess I should see this, but. As, like, professional obligation, but, like, I really don't care. <laughs> the worst thing it could be is just, like, mediocre, and that's what I think it's gonna be. If it were, like, horrible to the point of, like, bitch, you have to see what this pulled out, then yes. sure. But if it's, like, it's just an IP movie with no, like, and your plum camp happens to be directing it, but you can't tell, then who cares I mean, I mean, the thing I'm suggesting, if what I'm suggesting that, like, we should we should move to in sort of giving people more leeway to sort of make, you know, the pieces of art they want to make. Like, yes, the downside of that is you get some bad stuff. Well, put a pin in that because that gets to another point I have about another movie that came out this year that I think what we have to learn the real lesson is. Um, But, you know. Yes, you might get some crazy bad masterpiece, but I I would rather see something that is a like huge swing and miss train wreck than something that's just kind of like middle and boring level, right? Or I don't know why the two examples I thought of from like the last calendar year were the HBO series The Idol and then um uh why can't I remember the name of it Blonde of like both terrible but. The kind of like big swing crazy, like I cannot believe you. This is clearly Sam Levinson. You went for, for this. worse or for worse, right? You. This is clearly everyone Andrew involved Dominic with this, <laughs> right? Everyone involved in these things went for it, and there is at least a sort of visceral kick out of like this is like a huge like this is Charlie Brown completely missing the football yeah. and falling on his back. Yeah, like do you deserve to go to jail? Yes, but. <laughs> You know, like, like right. a fun way. Right. No, like, um, I would rather, I had more fun talking about how much I, like, really disliked the idol 
versus and watched all of it versus like I mean, I'm getting a little into the TV waters, but like that Marvel Secret Invasion show, which I had like no the interest AI in. Credits. Is that what the what's the opening credits in? Yeah, it's AI. <laughs> it's literally looks like dog ass. It's horrendous. That's the only thing I know about the show. That and like that they did they like my girl Amelia Clark a lot. I'm like, oh no, no honey. But, like, in the way that these Marvel shows are just kind of, like, down the middle sort of boring, like, the sand is sort of roughed off them, like, I don't know, I would just, I'm at the point now where I would just rather see something that is kind of, like, trashy catastrophe level bad than something that is just sort of, like, boring level bad. So, I have a question for you, then, because I saw on your letterbox, you and I both disliked this. Okay. You disliked it a lot more than I did. By, like, a star level. Okay. Would you describe something like Haunted Mansion a massive swing and a miss? Or are we talking, is this, like, the boring, it's so dull and absolutely soulless IP dreck? It's it's the second one. It's the second one. It's the second one to me. It's not like, I can't believe what I'm watching. This is so bad. It is is just, just I'm I'm sort of like, this isn't even interesting to think about this as just like, I would rather watch something that is like, people are making choices and all of those choices are wrong. Yeah. Versus this feels so kind of corporately managed. Like, Justin Simeon wrote and directed that. The guy who No, he just directed it. He just directed oh, he it. Just, Katie, he just directed Katie it. Dipple, Katie Dippold wrote it. She wrote like The Heat, and um, she wrote Ghostbusters twenty sixteen and okay. uh, Snatched that movie that Goldie Hawn did with Amy Schumer. So I mean, I like The Heat. I remember yeah. liking it. Um, I don't remember. But, I mean, it was it was like, can you believe that the guy who made Dear, Dear White people, people did a Haunted Mansion movie that? I mean, I don't remember much about the Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion movie, but another case of like we did this once, nobody liked it. Yeah, let's like, try it again, and no one and no one likes it, and no one. And went Haunted Mansion it. cost a hundred and fifty-eight million dollars to make. So, so this brings me to the next point that that I have, which I want to tie this into the other movie phenomenon of the summer, in a weird way, even though. And making think, and making us realize that this is really a monster of the executive's own creation here. Yes. But, okay, I, I want to tie this into the whole, without getting into the dumb QAnon rabbit hole, this sort of Sound of We're Freedom We're not talking about Sound of Freedom. Going. Okay, never mind. Okay, no, cool. No, I'm, I'm talking about Sound of Freedom. Okay, you um, actually so, are. I was fucking yeah, Yes. So, so if for anyone who's not aware, I think you and I have joked about it on this. This is the, like, yes. Jim Caviezel sex trafficking. It's meant to be kind of like a crime thriller drama, and it's being released by uh, Angel Studios, I think is their name, this Christian, you know, movie studio. It's their first and, release, if I'm correct. Well, they had that TV series that if only be- I only know of because, like, of having, like, a very religious family. It's called, like, The Chosen that's, like, a drama yes, series about, about... And I think they've, like, put certain episodes in theaters and sort of gotten people Fathom to pay to see... stuff doesn't count. Okay. So, like, they fully released this, this, this Jim Caviezel kind of religious-tinted, right-wing-tinted movie. And I don't... I'm not in... I don't think the movie is 
interesting enough. I saw it out of like pure curiosity. The and content I don't of think the movie is irrelevant. Right. That that totally irrelevant to the conversation we're having, and I think like the noise people are making about it is like the movie is not interesting enough to sort of warrant that kind of discussion. It's but, everything going on behind it and everything going on kind of in front of it, but nothing about the movie itself. Right. I mean, part of it is this kind of unique release strategy where, uh, well, in the sense of like the whole advocacy aspect of it, where it's like yeah. you can buy tickets for other people and then that's led to some sort of speculation of like, well, are people actually seeing this movie or is it like churches are buying like 300 tickets or something like that? And like at the end of the movie, Jim Caviezel comes on and is like, please buy a ticket. Here's a QR code. Buy it so someone else can see it for free and doesn't have to worry about paying. Um, so like how, how much are people just sort of like buying tickets out of the, the perceived goodness of their heart? Saying what? that about your own movie during the movie <laughs> is some real, that's just, that's a whole nother thing. That's irrelevant. That's, that's, that's not too far removed from when Applebee's is like the Indiana Jones movie is bo is bombing. So we'll give you one free ticket for every cheeseburger you buy. Have you seen those ads? That is that would that was a real promotion negative, they ran. <laughs> negative sales because I, I I don't want a burger. I don't want an Applebee's burger. And what makes you think that an Applebee's burger is going to make me want to go see Indiana Jones, which I already did one time, and really don't need to again. Um, but anyway, I I I, I point to because a lot of people have been trying to analyze sort of like why why has this sort of movie about sex trafficking starring a a somewhat a, a quote unquote cancelled movie star and being released by a Christian studio doing so well. And you know, you could say the ticketing system, you could say kind of the right wing media apparatus that's kind of wrapped their arms around this movie. But I think a key component is to like why it's doing well is like I don't think this movie costs that much. And this is kind of getting to the point you said of like how much did a haunted mansion cost? $158 million. And then, like, you have the Indiana Jones movie, which cost, I believe it's estimated, like, over $300 million. You have Sound the Mission Impossible movie, which cost... $300 million. $300 million. Granted, that was partially due to, like, being shut down constantly because of COVID. But yep. a lot of these blockbusters, they've... The studios have gotten in the mindset of, like, it doesn't matter how much we spend on this because we're going to make back all of our return because people are so in on these these franchises and i think this summer is a real example of like at a certain point the price is just going to balloon to the point where like there's no way you can make back all of this money and then maybe like the real lesson people need to take from you know this whole sound of freedom thing is like yeah you know what you can actually make a profit on a movie if it doesn't cost like 400 million dollars sound of freedom was made for 14.5 million dollars and has currently at this moment made 149 million dollars back now granted we don't know how many of those seats have been taken but money That's is money at relevant. the end of the day <laughs> it's not relevant right if we want to talk about the the effect of the movie if we want to talk about what people are like seeing what they're taking from it sure whatever that's not what we're talking about right now and it's honestly fucking I'm, I'm talking it totally as as a, Ten as a times business its budget business strategy yes and of like i you know it's the jason blum model jason blum is always saying like one of their 
keys at Blumhouse is like, he's like, I get to give our filmmakers more sort of artistic room to move around, but they got to do it at a lower budget. At and $5 million, just, yeah. Right. And him being like, you know what? Sometimes we're going to miss, but if we miss, then it's not that big of a loss. And it's very easy for hit. us to make back product, to make product, to make profit yep. off of their movies. And yep. like, I, I don't know. I just feel like we we're reaching this point. I think in all of this, we're just sort of like, I, maybe we've, we've, we've burst the bubble on the whole like IP franchise. What movement. happened to a mid budget movie? Right. Like Why we can't, all, that has, that has style. Away. Right. It studios have threw them away. Cause they were like, we can make, you know, if we spend $300, not $300 that'd be great if we spent 300 million dollars on an indiana jones movie you know i bet yes, those talk spent... to me boys could do something for 300 dollars. <laughs> i bet they could but you know like if we spend all of this money on this sort of big franchise machine you know if we play it safe enough like people just they love these properties so much that like there's no telling how much money we can make we can yeah. make a billion dollars and it's that level of of greed that I think has kind of made like Hollywood doesn't want to make mid-budget movies anymore because they're like, I don't know, but if I risk gambling 400 million on the flash two, maybe I make $2 billion at the box office. Probably not, but maybe. And the wild thing is, is that they're handing these movies to dudes who have made one indie movie before. Mm-hmm. And been like, you, we're going to trust you with this because like, you're not really a director here, but it's like, Okay, cool, but like, remember when you could get a movie that had an actual directorial vision for, you know, twenty million dollars? Do you remember? Whenever I think of like mid-budget, um, like Hollywood movies, particularly when I think of mid-budget, I think of rom-coms because they all, you know, all rom-coms, of that. erotic thrillers, yeah, heist movies, high school movies, know, like, high school movies, yeah, yeah, but like comedies, um, yeah, remember, sex, remember sex, comedies, sex comedies. <laughs> Joyride yes. was a was a joy. Yes. You know, like, or even like, uh, No Hard Feelings. It's like, wow, it's crazy how when you actually get like a star at the like center of it, something makes money. Huh. Crazy how that works. But also like, I think, I always think of like, did you ever see Down With Love with, the, uh, with Renee Zellweger yes. and Ewan McGregor? I think that it movie's is, actually super underrated. I really like that wonderful. movie. It's wonderful. Yeah. It is a, it didn't make a ton of money. I'll be honest. It's not no. profit baby that I need to be like putting up there, but it is a mid budget movie that is charming and has just one of the most beautiful, like visual styles of what could usually just be a, like a regular bland if, genre. If that movie was made today, it would be, it would go straight People on Netflix. Would it would star two like Instagram influencers. No yep. one has ever heard of before and would look like it was like shot in someone's backyard let me tell one you Saturday afternoon. If they've released that movie today, the way that it was made back then with two mm -hmm. huge, charming stars with like a good director at its core. I say good director when Peyton Reed made Quantumania earlier this year. And I'm like, <laughs> baby, we lost you. You're from Raleigh. I need to defend you, but also, huh. Um, but like, with that visual style and was in theaters and made by a studio, if that came out today, people would lose their goddamn minds. Because mm -hmm. look at Barbie. Yeah. Barbie is a Barbie movie and you have 
film bros losing their shit over it because it actually has a visual style and a vision. Right. The the key to the Barbie thing to me is not they made a bar like if they were if this was just a very straight Barbie movie like if this is what we all well, probably they, thought when they Barbie were gonna got start announced was gonna win, what it was going to start right. with. If I don't think that movie would be the phenomenon it is. I think Warner Brothers spent months and countless amounts of money, I think, programming to the public, regardless of what you think of the final movie, that, like, okay, this is something, like, very unique. This is a unique vision, is what kind of Warner Brothers was conveying for months and months and months. And with all the, you know, magazine profiles and fun little videos of Ryan Gosling being like, here's what's in my book bag... And all the marketing, like that movie was sold on this is a sort of singular idiosyncratic vision and take on Barbie, not just sort of like go to see, you know, the Barbie toys you love in sort of these live action packaged forms or something like that. It was it was sold on sort of its its artourist and meanwhile, aspects. while I was watching it, my first thought or not my first thought, but during it, I realized, shit, this is kind of working, because I want to go buy a Barbie. This seems fun. Now you're kind of getting into my aspect that I'm mixed about with that movie, which is like, it kind of is corporate product placement. Are you kidding me? It worked on me. I want to be, I literally was like, where are my sister's Barbies at home? It seems to come to me all the time. Which really was the first big red flag for my mom. I'm like, whatever. Um, No, like, but that's, but that's the thing. Barbie feels miraculous right now. And I'm not saying it's not. Actually, I kind of am saying it's not. But, like, that's... Who would have uh, thought that would be the, the movie phenomenon of the summer? It, yeah, that it is. And, I mean, yeah. Oppenheimer, even. I thought Oppenheimer, when they were like, yeah, he's making... It's like, he's doing a a, a biopic about, you know, J. Robert Oppenheimer. And yeah. it's his first one, not at, like, Warner Brothers and such. And I'm like, oh, this is about to bomb, and he's gonna go back to Warner Brothers, and they're gonna, like, see what's going well, on. Well, even after I saw the, the the movie and walked out of the press screening, I was like, that ruled probably my favorite movie of the year, but yeah. um, that also feels solely made for me, and I can't imagine what just, like, a normal person would. at work. It's yeah, unreal. And, Second and I know so many people who are not, cin- like, diehard cinephiles like you and I, yeah. that you know, I went and saw it a second time with a friend of mine here, and we came out, and she was immediately like, I cannot believe that three-hour movie of scientists talking in a room had me, like, on the edge of my seat for, like, from start to finish. My second viewing of it, the entire Trinity sequence, I had seen it before, and I was mm-hmm. like, this got me worked up. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's it's crazy. But also, on top of that, you know, Barbie feels miraculous. As if they weren't churning out movies like Barbie, not uh, visually like that fifties and shit. You go and it's like, okay, cool. Like what's these disposable teen comedies and shit, you know, like where the boys are or how to marry a million. That's not a teen comedy, but how to marry a millionaire, these technicolor movies where it's like, this was just the standard. And now it's like, it's crazy. I don't know. I lost it, my train of thought because I realized I, I have I mean, strayed I so mean, heavily from strikes. No, I know, I know. This is this is really. I'm sure there's some very frustrated listeners at the beginning of this. Be like, I thought they were going to explain to me how AI is a problem with the. With if the you don't know strikes. why AI is a problem, 
then I don't know what to say at this Call point. Call Tom I, Cruise. He made a whole movie this summer about the dangers of AI. And it's babes, called Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. <laughs> and you didn't see it. None of you did. <laughs> and you have uh, to live with that. Wes Anderson even got his clap back to all of the people who have been making AI Wes Anderson parodies and all the dumb people on TikTok for the last year that have been like, Wes Anderson's not that great of a director because I can just make one of his movies with an AI program on my TikTok. And it's Wes like, Anderson really? Make them talk. Make yeah, them talk. And, let me hear what they're And Wes Anderson like. made the like super metatextual movie that is basically like, let me explain to you my style and what you don't understand about it. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, is, is there anything kind of to like try and wrap us up somewhat or at least like push us towards an end point? Is there anything kind of like both, how do you think this stuff is going to shake out for the rest of the year? And B, do you think, are there any other kind of like surprises on the horizon that you think will kind of, I don't know, either something kind of like the Flash Indiana Jones, like, oh, we think this is going to be a big deal, but it's probably going to, like, fall face first on the ground, or something like the Barbie Oppenheimer thing where, you know, you're saying, like, people are not watching for this movie, and this actually might become a phenomenon and might actually be the kind of thing people want to return to. You also have to remember that Oppenheimer, a three-hour epic. Mm. made from a director known for making huge big budget stuff and it still feels big budget shot in right. 70 millimeter imax right was made for a hundred million dollars and has yeah. already it's about to cross half a billion soon like and it's i mean it rated, makes me wonder like and is killers of the flower moon going to be like a huge hit because people are going to be like it's it's leo i mean it's scorsese and, it's like, so everyone I know is, like, super hyped for that movie. Like, are people yeah. going to be like, sure, I'll sit down for three and a half hours. That looks awesome. Ugh, I saw a trailer for that before Talk to Me today, and it's just resplendent. God damn. Yeah. But, um, I think we're going to be seeing a little bit more of that. Where it's like, yeah. you know, this is an R-rated drama. Mm-hmm. It's not even that it's PG-13, or, like, you know, they're trying to market it to, like, the masses. It's just took off on its own. I think we're going to be seeing that more. Maybe not necessarily a hundred million, but like I think we're gonna be seeing a lot more maybe like fifty to seventy five million dollar kind of event films. Not necessarily yeah. like IP. It might be, but I don't yeah. I that's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping yeah. happens. Do I think it's gonna happen? Who knows? I think maybe, possibly. I think that you can't look at what has transpired over the past two weeks in movie theaters and not take something from it if you don't mm-hmm. then you guys are as big as idiots as i assume that you already are right now um right but the lesson that, hollywood will probably take is like let's have every summer we have a girl boot movie and a boy movie and that well they're already trying to people. push it with <laughs> they're already trying to push it with um uh saw and paw patrol coming out on the same day they're calling it saw patrol and i'm like shut the f- up I the real next y'all. one that's like not happening anymore because uh they Sony just took the next Spider Verse movie off the calendar. But I the next one I thought was really going to be was when the third Spider Verse movie and the new Bong Joon Ho movie both come, yeah. came out on the same day. But I guess that's not happening anymore. Why not Mega Turtles this weekend? Why not um uh wow I really am looking at the schedule. There really is nothing. 
Ooh, the next wow. two months are going to be kind of a grave, a graveyard because everything in September got pushed back because we also yeah. like the Yorgos Lanthimos movie was going to come out yeah. then. Now it's not coming out till December. Um, it's going to be a scary couple months. Yeah. So I just. I don't know what's going to happen because, again, I've been proven wrong already. I thought it wasn't going to last very long once the actors went on strike because I thought like, oh, like we can't do anything without the actors, literally, you know whatever yeah. but now they're trying to pull that shit of well we don't need you really and it's like i think you do and i think y'all are just trying to play tough but like whatever eat shit other hands though i think eventually the studios are gonna realize what they're getting themselves into which is covid part two mm-hmm. with all of these delays and shit and i think it's gonna delays. take a couple like really not your poor things not your challengers i think it'll take something like dune 2 or the like whatever the next marvel movie being delayed i i think it's gonna take like Um, a couple really big profile movies being delayed and costing studios money that way like it did in covid i think that's what's gonna need to happen i think the marvels was gonna bomb before any of this happens but 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 uh so i'm i'm i can't say i'm looking forward to that but i'm just saying is like that as a a big expensive sort of event blockbuster for Disney that Disney hopes will make tons of money, yeah. even though the Marvel properties have not been, you know, as successful as they once were. I I, I just feel like it's going to need to be, we need to have a couple of those sort of like be pushed off the calendar for the rest of the year for studios to all of a sudden be like, oh shoot, now this is really financially hurting us. Yeah. And it's just, uh... Again, I think logically, if I want to stick with my guns, I do think eventually the studios are going to come crawling back. And I still think that they're going to give them a shitty deal. I really do. I still think they're going to try. I think they're going to try to come back. I think they're going to budge on some things, but still not give them enough. I think it's going to continue to go on. I think it's going to take a couple rounds of negotiation with both the the, SAG and the WGA. I think WGA is going to take a while. Yeah. Because I think they don't really care that much about the WGA. I think SAG no. eventually is going to be what like kind of twists it, and I think in turn, after this summer, it's going to be more of a shift towards again, ideally towards more mid to like mid-high budget movies that actually mm-hmm. like feel like reasons to go to the movies, um, yeah. as opposed to, well, why would I do that when it's going to be on Disney Plus in three weeks? Or I'd be interested if, and this is thinking a little, you know, extreme, but, you know, if studios can't release sort of their big budget movies, but we've seen that, like, SAG has been, in particular, has been willing to kind of, like, you know, I think allow for some loopholes and some some wiggle room with, like, smaller independent projects, and then so do... Do we get sort of, like, a boom of smaller independent features that are coming out and actors really willing to either be in those kinds of movies because they can get work or and then by proxy like promote them and then so does that get this sort of like lower budget wave of movies or indie movies or movies kind of outside of the sort of big tent studio system that then start getting a lot more attention and then that's another way we kind of get this sort of flip of like no studios kind of shot themselves in the foot and like now there's this whole other like 
wave moving in of kind of like independent stuff. I don't yeah. know. Maybe that's thinking a little too optimistically, but that's my thing. It's like every time I think about this, I think about like, well, logistically, I feel like that's the way to go. But also, it's just what I want to see as well. Because I feel like that breeds some, a sort of creativity that we haven't had in a while, at least on a on a consistent scale. I'm not saying there's not creative stuff. Obviously, there very much so is. But like, mm-hmm. it's more where it's like stuff that's like moderately creative feels kind of miraculous in these day and age, this day and age and it's like no i want like i want shit like oppenheimer to still floor me but i also just want to go to the movies and it not be such a crapshoot of like am i about to see something soulless and like completely yeah. devoid of like human emotion or am i gonna see something that even if i don't if i'm not head over heels for it if it comes on tnt in like three years I'll stop and watch it for a little while. At least until the first commercial break. Like, yeah. you know, bring back three out of fives. Yeah. Who cares? Well, like, you know, bring back bring back crime thrillers. We did it we did a screening of Heat yesterday for our like ep- our retro epic series at work. And uh-huh. it did wonderfully. And I'm like, why aren't we doing movies like yeah, because dads have been watching Heat on TNT for... <laughs> dad movies! I mean, dad that's movies. why Oppenheimer Mom did well. Movies. Like, what do you think the dads were seeing this summer? They yeah. weren't going to go see The Flash. Yeah. They weren't going to see Little Mermaid. Dad movies. Mom movies. If your parents are a little iffy, take them to see Sound of Freedom. Who cares? Like, I... T- Listen. I mean, if, even still, like again, becomes, if it becomes a thing where there are movies like Sound of Freedom in theaters, then like fuck it, who cares? As I mean, my hot take that I told you like after I saw it was like, I don't know if Michael Mann directed that. That actually might have been a good movie. Yeah, like just <laughs> like if someone who is actually a good filmmaker made that. Yeah, it's like whatever. Who gives a shit? Just do it. I don't know. It's just this level of. Not only filmmaking, but also movie going. I think COVID kind of ruins movie going in and of itself too. From the amount of shit mm-hmm. that I've seen of people taking photos of these, like the screen during Oppenheimer and shit with their flash on, uh, and when I saw uh, Little Mermaid, these kids in the front row were taking selfies with the flash on the entire time until someone went up and said, "Like, phone away, you little shits." Um, literally, they had to like get aggressive with them. I was like, this is a Little Mermaid. Oh my god. Uh, but, like, until... I just... I don't know. It's all shit. It's all shit, it feels like. It's like... Like, what is the film industry with, if not content persevering at yes. this point? I'm just... It feels hopeless, but also I feel like there are lessons to be learned here, but also I just think the people in charge of learning those lessons are so dumb that I don't think it's ever going to happen. I don't know. I think there's going to need to be a big shake-up, not just with the movies they make. I do think there's going to need to be a big shake-up with the people who are in charge, and I think once the money starts leaving, I yeah. think the shareholders of these huge companies are going to finally realize, like, oh, I think the people we have in charge here are full of shit. Yeah. And maybe once that happens, maybe once the Igers, the Zaslabs, the uh, Sarandoses, or whoever the CEO of Netflix is now, you know, are booted out by their money hungry asses are booted out by more money hungry, more crazy shareholders than maybe. I don't know if that'll ever happen or if it happens anytime soon or whatnot. 
I don't care if we have to give them a $30 million severance. It's just, just, I don't know. It's a well, whole thing. It's a whole thing, and I'm frustrated, and I'm tired, and I just want people to be able to work. Yeah. And make a living work. And make a living and have good benefits, you know, all the the normal things you want out of a job. Yeah, to be able to make the $26,000 it takes for you to cross the threshold to get health insurance from SAG-AFTRA. That, right. I think, what was it, 85% of actors don't reach. Right. Have some so, quorum. I'm sorry, I'm yeah. getting angry. I can't, oh, I'm, I'm well, thinking let's, about, let's, I'm thinking let's about on a, face again. Let's, I let's, let's end on a semi-positive note to uh, leave you with a good... E- good uh good feeling for the evening uh what is what is something the rep for the rest of the year that you're you're really really excited for oh goodness um well i'm always rooting for horror um i saw a trailer before talk to me today for a neon movie called it lives inside which is like a a a curse movie based on uh like indian indian curses and shit Mm -hmm. i think that looks quite fun um and then so i will always root for anything horror that's why i'm very happy about talk to me success um what else i mean here's here's a here's a better quote what if what if what would you pay any amount of money to to see right now like someone sends you the link and or like tells you show up to this screening room and you can watch it tonight just you like what? What is what is the one movie you would want to be that caveat for the rest of the year? It would have been Challengers, maybe, but I don't <laughs> think that's happening at this point. Call uh, Luca Guadagnino now. Uh, well, I know he likes he likes young guys, so I know that I would have a chance. Um, I, what else is even coming out this year? I was fucking forgetting it at this point. Like, what about you? What's yours? I mean, I'll I'll just run through a few. I mean, I I am very excited about the Miyazaki movie. Oh wait, Killers um, of the Flower Moon. Killers yes, of the Flower Moon. I mean, why, I mean, Killers of the Flower why Moon. Why did I forget that? Yeah, the 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 killer, the David Fincher movie. I'm very excited also, yes. for. Yeah. Um, also, I'm, not to be not to be an IP slave. I just went off about this, but also the new um the new Hunger Games movie. Oh okay. Yeah, I'm you gonna, you I'm gonna I'm you gonna can have my, that, and I'm I will have. Uh, Michael Mann's Ferrari, which I don't know will be good, but I bet will be uh something I'll have a hoot with. So. It'll be interesting to talk about. I also um I haven't seen anything from it yet, but Saltburn sounds interesting. Uh, I've heard a lot of early hype about that. I'm not. I've I've heard. I'm not quite sure if it is showing up at any festivals. I don't really know what the like release plan of it is, whether it's coming yeah. out this year or it's been delayed or not. But well, um, it's MGM and MGM just delayed Challengers, so I wouldn't be surprised oh, if Sol- yeah. they delayed Saltburn too. So uh, that Napoleon looks interesting as well. Yeah, uh, that, I, it's a Ridley Scott movie. Ridley Scott is one of those things where I will not get excited for really any of his non-alien movies in the trailer process because a lot of times I'll see his trailers and be like, that doesn't look good, and then I'll see it and it's great, and then and then sometimes i'll yeah. see the trailer and be like that's incredible this shit's about to pop off and it doesn't house Gucci. um yeah so we've I'm we've we've had a whole ridley episode about like you're really sort of flipping the the coin with yeah. when you go walk in for a ridley scott movie yeah. but so I don't know, it's maybe like this will be good. his name's attached to it i'm automatically like interested am i excited we'll see once the credits roll that's where yeah. we go with that but yeah, no, I would say my number one probably is uh, is probably Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it lives inside. I mean, Saw 10 looks really bad, but also at the same time, like, all of the Saw movies aren't great, and also, like, it's probably a $5 million movie that's going to make $150 million, and honestly, I can't fault anyone for that. Yeah, Just, I mean, yeah. maybe that's the uh, lesson we should end on, is, um, you know, when you uh, have uh, responsible budgets... Yeah, you we are. don't have to spend $300 million on Soulless <laughs> AI. You do know that right. you can spend $10 million on good things. Yes. Like, like put me at... Make, help me run NASA. Like, yeah. I'm my brain is huge. I am so smart. I should be in charge of everything. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs>